the iron flute. Case 60, the wooden armrest. One day, in Nansen's monastery, the cook monk invited the gardener monk for a meal. While they were eating, they heard a bird sing. The gardener monk tapped the wooden armrest and the bird sang again. The gardener monk repeated this action, but this time the bird sang no more. Do you understand? asked the gardener monk. No, answered the cook monk. I do not understand. The gardener monk struck the armrest a third time. Yogen Senzaki's comment. In a monastery, the gardener monk raises vegetables for the cook monk to use, and naturally they are intimate friends. The bird sang because nature inspired it to sing. The gardener monk knew how to enter the mood of these mountain dwellers. Thus, the first tap brought the song again. But when the armrest was tapped for the second time, the bird had already flown away. The cook monk lived in a world of people's desires and was always thinking of the mouths and stomachs of the other monks. When the gardener monk tapped the armrest the third time, delivering a message from nature, there still remained one pair of ears spiritually deaf. Genro's comment. Birds sing naturally. The gardener monk taps the wooden armrest naturally. That's all. Why doesn't the cook monk understand? Because there is something in the cook monk's mind.
quite the story, eh? <laughs> so here we are on the middle day of our five-day session. Last night, the astonishing moon almost full. And yesterday morning, wow, at first light, Kanzeon, snow on new leaves. As Dokoro Osho said yesterday, he was unable to keep from having some words come together. Same thing happened to me. So I'll share my haiku. Tracing bare branches cupped in newly unfurled leaves. Last night's spring snowfall. Today is a story about intimate friends. Just as intimate as the moon reflecting on the lake, as the frost this morning on the eaves the rooftops. And in 1941, Nyogen Senzaki gave a talk about intimacy. He called the talk, What is Zen? an evening chat. So it's not quite evening yet, but I wanted to read a passage from it. What is Zen? None of us can really answer. Zen must be practiced and experienced individually. It is impossible to explain in words. You may think, then, that you can call it silence, but mere silence is not Zen. It's not a matter of preaching or lecturing, nor is it about no words. Unification with Zen is called San Chan in Chinese. San is to meet face to face. San means that I see you in me and you see me in you. The image of Buddha symbolizes 
loving kindness, and wisdom. When you pay homage to the symbol, raising and putting your hands together, palm to palm, you enter into Buddha, and Buddha enters into you. There is complete intimacy and nothing but loving kindness and wisdom remain. This is real Tsan. Intimate friends. The special relationship between two practitioners walking this Buddha way together is indeed precious. And even though some of you are here for the first time, I know you feel it. Yogen Senzaki and Nakagawa Soen Roshi had this kind of mysterious, intimate relationship. They had to wait 15 years after their initial correspondence began before they could meet at last. On Buddha's birthday, April 8th, 1949, in San Francisco. And sometimes the resonance of a special connection, we might say, is felt so vividly, so immediately, without even having any context, without even knowing how or when it began. I wanted to read two haiku from Soen Roshi that really express this. This, uh, both of them were written in 1931 when he was quite young and escaping the monastery to live on Mount Daibosatsu near Mount Fuji. So this one, March 10th, 1931. I will read it in my stumbling Japanese first, since it might be appreciated by our dear Dharma friend, Jodo Osho. Please uh, excuse my pronunciation. (laughs) (laughs) Shou-en 
no mata musubare te tsuki akaki. Extraordinary link. We find each other again. Bright moon. The journal entry. A young wanderer who is exhausting himself on the great matter of birth and death visits Meibaku Hut, where I have secluded myself on the night of the full moon, March 10th. Although he and I have never met before, we immediately feel a strong bond. And we talk all night. Extraordinary link. We find each other again. Bright moon. The next day, March 11. The next morning, he writes in his journal, the sky and the ground are thick with snow, our hearts leaping ahead of us. Wonderful expression. (laughs) Our hearts leaping ahead of us. My new friend and I leave on a walking pilgrimage toward Tokyo through Daibosatsu Pass. All beings are soundless. And the contours of the mountain ridges vanish into heaven's eternal breath. At the pass, deep with snow and illuminated by the moon, my friend experiences Kensho, the liberation of seeing into his true nature. We yell back and forth to each other, holding hands and tumbling in the snow like madmen. (laughs) And again, I read in my Japanese, so-called, Arigata ya namida ni tokasu, Yama no yuki. Gratitude. Tears melting into mountain snow. That day... Fifty-three years later, March 11th, 1984, Soen Roshi departed this world. One week before his 77th birthday.
He's here? <laughs> There's an alarm bell, though. I should think so. special, very precious relationships that one can have with one's teacher. And Yogen Senzaki had this with his disciple Shubin Tanahashi, who, as many of you know, had a son named Jimmy Tanahashi who had Down syndrome. And it just so happened that Karma brought them together, and Yogin Senzaki began taking care of Jimmy. Two years ago, this May, Shubin Tanahashi's granddaughter, Lisa, got in touch with me, saying that she and her mother, Alice, We're clearing the old family home, and in the basement, they discovered many calligraphies and books and other precious items that Nyogen Senzaki had given to Shubin-san. And she wrote, would we be at all interested Thus began our correspondence, which has continued over these two years. And you can see many of these beautiful objects in the display case outside the dining room with a little note that explains something about it. So we've been writing back and forth, sort of like Nyogen Senzaki and Soen Roshi, only we use email. And I hadn't heard anything from them recently, and with Nyogen Senzaki's session coming up, I wrote to Lisa, and I received this back. It is always a treasured gift to hear from you as your kindness and thoughtfulness fill us with so much gratitude and joy. And we thank you for taking us with you onto your mountain and into your garden with your beautiful description. We feel as if we are there with you and that the special place that has been created there is connected here with us in Boyle Heights, still right across the street from where Senzaki Sensei lived. We saw the email about the Nyogen Senzaki session taking place right now, and our thoughts went to you and the lucky and amazing journey we are on together. We are truly fine, happy for each new day as time goes on. Mom is now 92, and I am 60, and... We accept it all with humble and hopeful hearts, in awe and grateful wonder to be one with nature and the universe in every moment, listening 
for ways to be of service to each other and to those in our lives. I have been thinking about our future lately, especially with respect to my mom's and my living trusts. When we are gone, we had planned to leave what we have to the Kero Nursing Home for Japanese seniors as they took good care of my grandmother after she developed dementia and needed more care. They sold their facilities to a for-profit company, and the organization we designated in our living trusts does not exist anymore. I have recently just begun to think about what would pay tribute to those who raised me, took care of me, and who I've learned from. I am thinking that it would be a tribute of respect and gratitude to my grandmother if part of my living trust would be designated to go to something that honored the special events and lifelong relationship between my grandmother, Jimmy, and Senzaki Sensei. I notice our president suddenly got very alert. <laughs> no coincidence, I think, that I am able to ask for your thoughts and ideas about this, knowing that you know aspects of their history and lives that I do not. I would be most interested in any suggestions you could make in this regard. I think that recently I am learning practicality from my mom. So if it is possible to support some aspect of your work that is of service to others in a direct way, that would be great. I hope it is not too much of an imposition to ask for your help with this. If it is, I understand completely. With full hearts, we send our love and good wishes to you for good health, happiness, and joy always. We thank you for the grace, kindness, happiness, and hope you bring to our lives. Lisa and Alice. This intimacy knows no beginning, no end. Extraordinary link. Hmm? Life after life. Even though we have never met in this life. So this is what Yogan Senzaki used Chinese word for san. Intimacy. Two as one. Giving, receiving, in harmony with the way. 
What is given? What is received? Is the same. This dharma, incomparably profound, minutely subtle. What? When? And how this is realized and actualized is different. What is given and received, same. How? What? When? Completely unique. Never before. Never again. The saying goes, we come to life in the same way, but we don't die in the same way. What this saying means has nothing to do with taking on this particular physical form. Realization, one and the same. How it functions, how it manifests, is unique according to circumstances. Always expressing appropriate response, skillful means for the liberation of all beings. So each of us has our own karma. our own obstacles, our own life experiences. And accordingly, with the depth of our deepest intention, resolve, vow, we can see clearly, to whatever degree we can. And this is always changing, always deepening. Especially when we are surrounded by spiritual friends. This is so important to find. This is what is meant by Sangha. People who care as much as you do and will help support you in any 
way they can. Sometimes by giving you a crack on the head, sometimes by giving you an embrace, sometimes with words, sometimes silence. It's such an important gift to be here this way. And living as quite a few of you do at the monastery or at the temple in Syracuse or at the temple in New York City. You may find yourself swamped by negativity one day or another. Here comes the wave. It's a killer wave. It's a rogue wave. And it got me. And in such time, you may feel self-righteous anger arising, justification for your rage. And you may feel that someone knows just which buttons to push. (laughs) And there they go again. But you know, any good spiritual friend knows your triggers. That's what spiritual friends do. Oh, you're still stuck here? Let me help you with that. (laughs) As Dokoro Osho referred to in the Surangama Sutra, there is... Definitely, this enticement to react. Come a little closer, said the spider to the fly. Let me help you. So, do you react or not? Do you simply exhale imperceptibly, smile, and walk away? There is that possibility. Maybe then you realize that what you perceived as a trigger wasn't intended that way at all. Maybe you just needed to clean your glasses. So we have to practice with this question. Whatever is coming our way, we have to be ready with right response. What is that response? Really? To yourself. Oh, really? You really believe that? Oh, yeah? Maybe, maybe not. So, getting back to the koan about these two intimate friends. 
sitting and having a cup of tea and a delicious repast. They're practicing together. They're working together. At the great master Nansen's monastery, And you can imagine the dynamism of life there, the challenging atmosphere of life there, just like here. Many sincere seekers of the way gathering for session to work, to take care of what needs to be done. And so... Maybe today is a rest day for them. And Cook Monk, we have two here. Cook Monks, where's a third? Cook Monks, three. Invite the gardener monk for lunch. Never one to turn down a free lunch. But you know, in our practice of Zen, there is never just hanging out, just a rest day meal. What's going on all the time? Hmm? Dharma activity. Teaching each other. Spiritual friendship. Come on in for a meal. (laughs) Okay. And it's a natural process, okay? It isn't something someone concocts. It's not a staged event. Just sit down. Mmm, those vegetables you grew yesterday were so good. How do you like the casserole? Mmm, delicious. Okay. And the subtlety of the teaching, of course, varies, but I wanted to um, tell you about how Son Roshi used subtlety in his teaching, and it was always the least predictable moment. So he was uh, riding in a car with Edo Roshi, and Edo Roshi was thinking, oh, this is relaxing. You know, we have a three-hour drive. Somebody is driving the car. We can just sit here in the back and maybe take a little nap. And then Soen Roshi turned to him and asked, how do you understand Uman's every day is a good day? <laughs> or he tells the story, Edo Roshi is working on the capping phrase, Jakugo for a certain koan, having a terrible time, cannot find the right one out of all the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds A scroll is put up. The scroll has that very 
tapping phrase. Does he notice it? How many times does he walk through the hall without seeing? Oh, they changed the scrolls. Huh? Right? All of us have this difficulty. Not paying full attention. And thinking, oh, it's just, you know, an ordinary day and I have to get to this and that and the other thing. Serving tea. Someone wrote she was always serving tea. In a movie theater with instant coffee, he would be whisking or just having, you know, some time formal tea. But one day, uh, this is a story, very, very well-known story. It's been making the rounds of Zen centers, I understand. A professor was working with Mu. So Ada Roshi tells the story. When I was Soen Roshi's attendant monk at Utakaji, there was an American professor who came to practice there. He was desperate to have some kind of inside experience. Evidently, the koan Mu had been assigned to him without any kind of explanation. <laughs> Many months had passed. He was very frustrated. One day, it happened that Soen Roshi invited him and me to his mother's hut to hear music and have ceremonial tea. Roshi said, be seated. We sat down. The professor's mind was occupied with the koan he had been assigned. He asked, Tell me, Roshi, how can I expedite my understanding of Mu? What is the most effective way to practice Mu and get self-realization? Thank God none of you ever has come in. Continuing to make the ceremonial tea and whisking, Son Roshi asked him, what did Jesus Christ say on the cross? The professor replied, well, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Son Roshi said nothing and served the ceremonial tea as if the conversation was over. But from the professor's point of view, it was not. So he asked again, I came all the way from America. I want to know my true nature. So, what is the most effective way to practice move? Roshi said, tell me, what did Jesus Christ say on the cross? The professor replied again rather impatiently, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? No, Roshi answered loudly. Well, then what did he say? The professor asked in exasperation. At that, Soen Roshi stood up, spread his arms, and cried out in anguish, My 
God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This, the professor, who knows, right? So getting back to this ordinary lunch, there's a bird, Muren, please sing. Do you understand? (laughs) So what about that? The bird sang. The gardener tapped. The bird sang again. Some magical correspondence? Just happenstance? Was the gardener's tap a prearranged signal for the bird? Okay. Where are we when this story takes place? Hmm? I told you. You remember? Nonsense. Thank you. We're at Nonsense Monastery. Okay. Nonsense teaching. Very famous. Oh, that one. Got the bird, huh? That's why the bird didn't sing again. <laughs> wasn't what I had in mind, but... Hmm? Okay. Nonsense said to Joshu, ordinary mind is the way. This is the true esoteric realm, Okay. Ordinary mind. This mysterious interrelationship, it is always arising. Endless dimension 
A spider came to call. Okay. Right. <laughs> a spider came to call. Oh, call the bird. So this universal intimacy, but there's always something, and we miss it. Something is calling. Someone is calling. And we call it a spider. And we don't get it. So, when the monk taps again, maybe the cooks are expecting the bird to sing again. You think the monk tapped with that in mind? To set something up for the cooks? The gardener had nothing in mind. The bird sings. The gardener taps. There's no if-then. There's no artificial correlation. This is natural expression. This is natural communication. Addressing all beings. Excluding no one. Certainly not the cook monks. So do we understand this? Okay. No, answered the cook monk. We do not understand. So what happens? Gardener taps a third time. What do they say about three strikes? <laughs> Lunch is over. <laughs> so Nyogen Senzaki says in his comment, the bird sang because nature inspired it to sing. So simple. The gardener knows the bird's language. When you're living and working with all these creatures, from the tiniest to very big, flying, crawling, clambering about, swimming in the little brook, you just naturally respond your own natural gesture. Sun. Intimacy. The more we sit, the more we purify our hearts, the more 
we have this feeling of nothing in the way. We understand the language of everything. And this is how we can be a vessel of dharma. This is how we can become Avalokiteshvara, the bodhisattva of compassion. Nothing but this intimacy, this just being transparent. No projections, what's next? No sticky attachment to what just was. So the bird freely flies away. And the gardener monk asks the cook monk, did you understand this Freely flying away? No. Okay. Let me show you. No? Okay. Communing, this gardener monk, communing with all things, all beings, earth, air, water, fire, just as the cook monk does, using the same elements to prepare beautiful, delicious, nurturing meals for all beings. But as Nyogen Senzaki says, this cook monk's mind was filled with others' needs and wants. Will they like this? Mm, I bet macaroni and cheese will be appealing. Oh, yes, it will be. We would like more. Thank you. Let's see the color contrast. How about pea soup? Beautiful. White, green, and then what? Oh, clementines. Oh, perfect. An unforgettable meal. I am so happy they ate it all up. Now I have to make another meal. So, you know, this is a real... This is a really amazing and sacrificing practice to be a cook monk. You sacrifice your time in the zendo. You create zendo in the tenzo. And we are so grateful. Everything given with this dedicated spirit. This is Zazen in action to serve the Sangha, 
to help us sit more strongly, more profoundly, so that we don't spend even a second of the time on the cushion wandering aimlessly. We can feel the effort, the loving effort of our cook monks. The caution, and what is the caution in this koan, to be careful. Don't create an identity of cook monk. Don't create an identity of serving others. Don't create an identity of bodhisattva spirit. Don't create any identity of caregiver. Don't create any identity of others receiving your meal. This is pure offering practice. No rank bodhisattva. Nothing left over. The bowls have been washed. Joshu said that. Wash your bowl. The same with us in our hearts. Wash your bowl. So when Roshi used that uh, well-known saying, ascend to seek Bodhi, descend to guide sentient beings. And this description of a Bodhisattva, he added, the path that goes up the mountain is the same path that goes down the mountain. Enlightening oneself is enlightening others. Simultaneously, as Buddha said, upon awakening, I and all beings together, perfect, complete, one. So, whether we garden or we cook, whatever we do with this natural spirit, just mushy, nothing in the way. No accretions, nothing in the bowl left over from that time. We had that wonderful experience. Wash it away. Best recipe, nothing in the mind. Therefore, flavors emerge as freely as the bird flying away. This is the loving teaching from one spiritual friend to another. 